Delicious meets nutritious in the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios. Each one-ounce serving of wonderful pistachios has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value and making wonderful pistachios one of the highest protein nuts. But perhaps more than that, I love all of the flavors they have. Their sea salt and vinegar ones are my favorite when I'm craving that flavor but want to keep it healthy. But that's just the tip of the iceberg. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of flavors, like chili roasted, honey roasted, smoky barbecue, and jalapeno lime, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. Whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. So fill up with a healthy snack when hunger strikes. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. That's wonderfulpistachios.com. This is Optimal Health Daily, episode 1679. Common Running Nutrition Mistakes by Renee McGregor with foodfitnessflora.blog. And I'm Dr. Neil Malik. Hey there, welcome back to Optimal Health Daily, where I read to you from some of the most popular health and fitness blogs out there, with permission from the websites, of course, and always with a bit of my commentary at the end. All right, and with that, let's get right to today's post as we optimize your life. Common Running Nutrition Mistakes by Renee McGregor with foodfitnessflora.blog. Everyone has an opinion about nutrition. Why shouldn't they? After all, we all need food to survive. However, there is a difference between anecdotal nutrition advice and actual nutrition science. On social media, we're exposed to the former a lot more than the latter. What works for one person in a sample of N equals one may not work for another. Just the other day, I was on a group chat where someone very boldly stated that their new vegan regime was the cause of their newly found energy and improved recovery. However, this was based on subjective information, which they had collected over a few weeks. Is this science? No, this is one individual's personal experience with no information of what her diet had been like previously, or even if any other aspect of her life had also changed, which may have resulted in how she was feeling. Presently, there is no evidence in the literature to suggest that that plant-based diet improved her performance, such anecdotal evidence could cause more harm than good. Nutritional science, and particularly sports-specific nutrition, is actually quite complex. While many simply look at the impact of one particular nutrient or process on performance, this completely ignores the fact that the human body is run on an intricate system of endocrine, biochemical, immunological, physiological, and psychological pathways that all work collectively. Let's take the keto diet as an example. This was a huge trend a few years ago, and many still promote it with the idea that if we remove carbohydrate from our diet, then our body will use more fat for fuel and will help improve our performance and our body composition. While on the surface, this may seem to have some gravitas. Take out carbohydrate and the body will have to find another fuel source to provide the body with energy. What has been completely ignored is the importance of carbohydrate intake on the hypothalamic pituitary axis, which is necessary to get adaptation from a training response. In addition, carbohydrate has a critical role in optimizing immune function in those who are physically very active. So, 
With this all in mind, here are some of the common mistakes often made. Carbohydrates. Numerous studies have demonstrated that carbohydrate is the preferred fuel used by the body and is definitely the key to optimal performance. That said, many runners still have little understanding of how much they actually need in order to meet their requirements, with many underfueling. As previously stated, carbohydrate availability is particularly key for the hormonal cascade needed in order to see adaptation and thus progression. This means ensuring sufficient carbohydrate before, during if your runs are over 90 minutes, and within 30 minutes of completing your session. While everyone's physiology is slightly different, as a rule of thumb, the requirements set are 5 grams of carbohydrate per kilogram body weight if you're running for 60 minutes a day, with this figure increasing for longer or multiple training sessions. In general, I do not encourage fasted sessions, and the recommendations state that if you're going to include these, you should not do it more than twice a week, and they should be no longer than 60 minutes, at an effort of no more than a 6 out of 10. More than this, and at higher intensities, potentially can result in chronic stress on your body, leading to a depressed immune system, higher risk for injury, and down-regulation of your hormones, particularly your thyroid gland, estrogen, and testosterone, leading to further negative health consequences. In practice, if you're training regularly, it's unlikely that you will ever have full glycogen stores, and so it's essential to ensure that you consume carbohydrate at meals and snacks throughout the day. Aim to include nutrient-dense carbohydrates such as oats, potatoes, whole grains, fruit, and yogurt at three meals, or about a third of your plate, as well as including two to three smaller carbohydrate-based snacks such as bananas, cereal bars, two slices of malt loaf, or two to three oat cakes with peanut butter. One common observation I have seen is that many people view vegetables as carbohydrate, often displacing these for pasta, grains, bread, and potatoes. While vegetables play a role within our diet and should be included, they are predominantly fiber, which means they add bulk to the diet, but not essential carbohydrate fuel. Protein. There's a lot of hype around protein in the recovery phase, with many runners stressing about not getting enough to enhance recovery. Protein does play a role in the response to training and should be included in addition to carbohydrate, particularly immediately after. The general recommendations are that a recovery meal or snack should provide 1.2 grams of carbohydrate per kilogram body weight and 0.4 grams of protein per kilogram body weight. So for someone who weighs 55 kilograms, this would be 66 grams of carbohydrate and 22 grams of protein and that would look like a medium-sized baked potato with a small tin of tuna. It's important to appreciate that the body will struggle to utilize more than 0.4 grams of protein per kilogram body weight post-training for muscle protein synthesis and adaptation. Any additional protein consumed will be used as fuel or stored as excess. Therefore, it's actually really important to spread your protein requirements out throughout the day. Aim for a palm-sized portion of protein at three meals and then half this amount for snacks. This will ensure that your body always has an amino acid pool to draw from in order to repair and rebuild muscles throughout the day, as well as preventing blood sugar fluctuations. Sugar. With so much negativity around sugar, it's hardly surprising that many runners are equally concerned about their intakes. 
While I would never advocate a high sugar diet, there are definitely times during training and competing where sugar is the only option. During endurance events, such as a half or full marathon, the body will need an easily digestible source of carbohydrate to keep stores topped up so that running pace can be maintained beyond those 60 to 90 minutes. Gels, jelly babies, sports drinks, these are all suitable options and they all contain sugar. So in this case, sugar actually enables and potentially enhances your performance. Five nutrition staples. One, don't be drawn to the latest fad. Many runners will try almost anything to improve their performance. Focus on training and getting the building blocks of your diet correct first. This is gonna have more impact than whether you are gluten-free or not. Two, after a very hard training session, and especially if you're gonna be training again within 12 hours, taking on something like flavored milk is an ideal choice to start recovery as quickly as possible. The combination of added sugar to the natural milk sugar causes insulin to increase in the blood. Contrary to what you might think, this is actually really important. Only when our insulin levels are raised can we draw carbohydrates and protein into the muscles to start the recovery process. Three, always practice your race day nutrition. The worst mistake you can make is to use what's available on race day without previously having tried it. This could have real negative effects on your performance. Four, work out what is right for you. Just because your training partner swears by a bowl of porridge every morning, this does not necessarily mean this is the right fuel choice for you. And five, you don't have to eat less on your rest day. For most of this will fall between two training days. So it's the perfect opportunity to recover and then refuel. By being consistent with your nutrition, you will also allow for consistency with your training, which allows for progression. You just listened to the post titled Common Running Nutrition Mistakes by Renee McGregor with foodfitnessflora.blog. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it filters out incompatible applicants. So when you're hiring, the process is much faster and you only have to consider applicants that are already likely to be a great fit. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash health. Just go to indeed.com slash health right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash health. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Dr. Neil here for my commentary. I wanted to stand up and applaud. Well, I'm already standing. So then I guess just applaud when today's author, Renee, was talking about anecdotal nutrition information versus actual nutrition science. So often when giving advice on this show, I quote health organizations like the American College of Sports Medicine and the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics. That's because they base their recommendations on multiple studies. They have teams of scientists with expertise in the field 
that review the latest scientific publications and come up with recommendations. And again, it's not just one scientist coming up with these recommendations. It's the result of a group of scientists looking at years of published research. When new studies emerge, they then revise the recommendations when appropriate. And so that's why I constantly reference these organizations. And in today's article, Rene referenced many of these same organizations. All right, that'll do it for me for today. Don't forget, I'll be back here tomorrow for our usual Friday Q&A. So definitely stay tuned for that where your optimal life awaits.